Well, welcome everybody to Forgiven Podcast. We are glad that you are joining us on this day. I'm not too sure maybe what you're up to. Maybe you're just kind of driving in your car or uh, going for a walk uh, or whatever the case may be. Uh, we are glad that you are here joining us. And what we are doing is we are kind of doing a part two uh, of our podcast, which was talking about uh, the power of words. And so we're hoping that uh, it's at least stimulating your thought. Uh, we don't know uh, where all of our listeners are from or what position they are in terms of their life as they're listening. But the uh, the overall vision and heart of our show is to bring people along in terms of their faith. And you might be here as a person listening uh, for 50 years. and uh, Or maybe you're here just as a person who is just here for five weeks as a new Christian. Or maybe you are not even at all. And the role that we have and the our desire is to bring you along incrementally one step at a time now i know that there have been times in my faith where god has kind of catapulted me ahead just through an experience mm -hmm. or something but far more often the times where i grew in my faith has been where it has been just kind of that daily slow growth that god has kind of put small things in my life and challenged me in small ways that has kind of caused me to grow how about you uh, I think definitely those catapult experiences for sure, you know, especially I think as a young teenager, youth camps and all those things, you get those like altar experiences. Uh, but I think as I've matured and gotten a little older, you, you start, you find you need those less and less. And it's more about, like you said, the daily, honestly, for me, it's like, it's just the simplest things that remind me of like who God is and what he's done. And it's those simple reminders that like help fulfill my like spiritual growth which yeah. is like really cool and this is an area that we're talking about that affects all of us in yeah. every way as a matter of fact as we were going over notes and our thoughts and where our hearts are that's kind of that's kind of where as we prepare a podcast we find we try and figure out where our heart is on the issue yep. and what the word of god has to say uh first of all what the word of god has to say and and then from there flows, you know, some of the things, experiences that we've had as a pastor. And you are from a younger generation than I am. And we realized as we were going through this, the power of words, which is basically what Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, yeah. you know, out of the, you know, the tongue has the power of both life and death. That's a powerful statement yeah. that, that that proverb brings out. But I realized from your experience, you know, it was in a different area as a person who is more savvy in terms of media and social media and dealing with youth and and how your generation has had to has had to um, adapt and and even deal with the humongous changes that have happened in our society through social media and yeah. how and how criticism and the power of the words has just hugely accelerated it's just exploded yeah because there's never it's never been easier to communicate with people mm -hmm. right you can i could i could send a like i could text a thousand people right now if i wanted to so like well, that's a bit of an exaggeration but still like it's never been easier to communicate with people and i think that comes with a lack of accountability and a lack of just understanding that your words whether typed spoken written whatever have power and honestly this topic is not really just for christians this is for every Everybody. single person yes. yes um which is important yeah and and the thing is we find our answers in the word of god and so this is this is as we are speaking as, as ministers you know it's kind of where our our sources is from and i would love to hear it. the other thing that we discovered as we were preparing 
was the reality of the fact that I'm you know, an older man, you're a younger man. I hate to say I'm an older man because I don't feel old. but You don't look old either. Well, thank you. I wasn't going for the compliment. But, uh, that's but that's, hey, I'm going to sneak it in but, when uh, I can. But how, how is it that uh, a woman deals with the power of words and criticism and, and not only a, you know, a person who's maybe more established in her career, uh, but a young, uh, a young adult lady and how they're dealing with the power of words and how they deal with things that are said to them or things that are said about them. And even as we, we are a growing multicultural society, uh, those people who are new, the multicultural uh, people who, that, you know, Canada isn't their first home. And, and so they're dealing with traveling from another culture, another country, another language, another color, perhaps uh, a different color than what the majority is here. And, and having to swim in the midst of that through criticism and things like that. And so maybe if you're listening, you're kind of in that category. And we would love to hear what your impact is and what your input is uh, because because it certainly it certainly is is affects all of us but it affects all of us where we are in our backyard sort well, of thing and it affects everybody differently because everybody has a different capacity um like a different emotional capacity to you know take on the negative comments or the criticisms or whatever um, that people throw at them because the reality is, is everybody's got an opinion on yourself and what you do. Sure. Uh, and so, and, and, and I know different cultures um, like respond to that criticism differently. And then yeah. coming to Canada is very different as well. So I would be very interested to hear from um, some other cultures and ethnicities and all those different kinds of people. So if that is you. If you are listening to this and you think you have a lot to say, not even if you think you have a lot to say, I know everybody has a lot to say. Yeah. Um, please reach out to us. You can email forgiven at bethelbrandon.ca. You can head just to bethelbrandon.ca and you could email any number of us and we'll, we'll make sure that we get in contact with you. You can leave in your review on Apple and Spotify, um, you know, your email, whatever you say, Hey, I want to be on whatever. I will reach out to you. There are many ways for us, uh, to be in contact with each other. So please use those channels. If you feel compelled to come and talk about this because we're not experts in that. We can only talk about our experiences and uh, it'd be great to get others on because um, it just adds some, it adds better energy to the show. I'll just be honest. It makes it more fun for you and I. Yes. Um, there, there've been podcasts where, where I've heard people talk and I said, have they ever really thought of this angle? You know, and, and the angle has been based on the fact that the experiences that I have gone through. And so I would imagine there might be people who are listening and say, well, you know what? As a woman, this is what I've had to feel. You don't, as a man, you've never really had to, to deal with this and the emotional, the emotional baggage that comes with this particular thing. Yeah. And and here's the thing that I found was interesting, that that you had a different slant, and I had a different slant, but the relevance was exactly the same. Yeah, it was cool actually. And and that that what you say is totally, absolutely, as is for today, to to minister to people for today. And as I take a look at my life as a pastor being in ministry for decades and seeing the carnage of this particular topic, I realize that as I begin to speaking, I know that there are certain people where what I'm going to be saying and, and, and some of the things that we're going to be talking about will resonate whether you are 80 or whether you're 18. Mm. So that was kind of a neat thing. And as, I, and as I began to take a look a little bit deeper about this, I realized that in the Bible, it seems like, Every particular part of the Bible talks about 
the power of words. Yeah. David talks about it in the Psalms. If you read the Proverbs, there are tons of things talked and talking about what you say, how you say them. And you know, you I know that one of the, the scriptures you kind of had that said, Hey, you know what? If there's no wood for the fire, yeah, then then the fire goes out. Yes. And those are some great words in terms of ta- him talking about gossip uh, as well. Jesus talked about the words you say often. Paul many times many was talking times. about issues that were taking place. James devotes a huge portion of his letter about the power of the tongue. And even even Peter, I, I know that Peter had said in, in Peter 2 verse 1, so put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. So even, even Peter, in, in all of his letters and the things that he talks about, begins to talk about the power of words. So this is something which is, which is huge. I've come to realize a, a number of things as I, as I just have had taught about. And when we talk about power of words, what exactly are we talking about? Like we're talking about slander. We're talking about gossip. We're talking about criticism. Harassment. Like kind of what we covered last episode do is yeah. essentially the power, and you said it last week, the power of words has the, has the ability to bring life, but also death. And, and ultimately, that's really what it boils down to. Our words, the words that we say, speak, type, write, whatever, um, they are the most powerful tool a human being has mm-hmm. because it's the sole thing that we can use to communicate effectively our emotions, to arouse emotions in other mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And I believe that many times our words are like seeds and they will plant either good or they will plant bad. bad. Well, it's, you could even go as far as to say eventually then your tongue is like a sword, like other yeah. people say, and it can use to chop down whatever yeah. seed has been grown in somebody. Yeah. Like it, it's it's amazing the the number of analogies that you could, but I believe that Satan many times will use words at critical times in our lives. And, and there might be a time where something critical is said to you, and many times it's like water off a duck's back. You're at a point where you're spiritually strong, and that, um, you know, there are lots of good things taking place in your life. And so you take the criticism uh, or whatever bad thing yeah. that was said about you, and you don't think anything about it. But there are times where you are vulnerable in your life. And there are areas where you are vulnerable. You say something about one area of my life, it doesn't mean anything. If it's an area where I'm tender, then it can affect me a Absolutely. whole lot deeper. Right, it the the cut goes in deeper for me because of whatever. But I find that many times Satan will use those areas to create a lie, and that lie becomes solidified. It becomes incubated, and it becomes truth, even though it's still a lie to us. We think of it as truth. Yeah. And so I think that Satan many times will use and utilize uh, criticism and sometimes the words that we use at particular times, and so. You know, it, it, it's something where I, I think I have always believed that spiritual battle is usually not in the area that we think that it is. You ever thought about spiritual? Well, sometimes we think of spiritual battle, and, and I think the media has said, you know, this is, this is where Satan is, is working. And many times it is in the subtle areas. And so we're looking for Satan to work in this area, but really he's working in another area the areas that are not so apparent, right? And one thing that I remember as we were kind of discussing it last week 
And if you hadn't haven't had the chance to listen to our part one of the podcast, I encourage you to do so. Yeah. But one thing that I had mentioned and had discovered as I've kind of been doing studying is that there was something about the Israelites as they were traveling through from Egypt through the desert to the promised land. And it is well documented in the Bible that there was a generation where God says, you're not going to get in. You know, there was that point where they had to wander 40 years in, in the desert. And a lot of people think, well, that was a long trip from Egypt to the promised land. Well, no, it was just a, a day or two journey for them. So that wandering was kind of, was not because they were traveling a long distance. It is because they were traveling because of what was ta- taking place in their lives. And one of the reasons that they didn't, they didn't make it into the promised land, and there are a number of reasons that you can cite, but one was due to the fact that the words that were coming out, yeah, the criticism, the grumbling that was taking place, and how much God detested all of that which had taken place. And it, and it got to a point where all of a sudden they weren't able to enter the promised land. And, and as I take a look and compare that to that, is that God is still the same. God hasn't changed. The things that anger God are still the things that anger God now that did then. And I I found that sometimes our words can keep us from where God wants us to be in terms of our journey. And sometimes we think, ah, criticism doesn't matter. And and it's easy to go down that hill, isn't it? When all of a sudden everyone else is talking about it, it is easy just to, to jump on the bandwagon. And so, you know, one of the things that I... I come to realize is that, you know, the words that I say to someone else will hurt or can hurt someone else, but in essence might be hurting me, myself more than anything mm. else. Any thoughts, any thoughts on that? I do. You? I think that's very interesting that, and it's one that we don't often think about. Uh, I've kind of lately been really thinking about the phrase, you never know. <laughs> and it's, it kind of sparked something that happened at camp where, um, you know, I think let's just be real. Sometimes in ministry it can be very discouraging because whether you're a volunteer or not, um, you think like, especially serving in next generation ministry, it can be a little discouraging sometimes because it's like you pour your heart and soul into like a couple of students and then you just never see any growth from it. And then you're like, well, what was the the point of that? You know? And, and so I remember distinctly a few couple of uh, guys that I got really close to at camp uh, like years ago when I was just just the intern. And I like poured whole summer into these two young men. They were counselors at kids camp and junior youth camp. And they were I attended youth camp. And they were in my cabin. And I was like just loving on them and just doing all of this amazing, like what I thought was amazing work. They're coming to Jesus. Some of them were filled with the spirit. And, and then it's like, and then you think like some of them were like, I'm going to go to Bible college. And I'm like, that's awesome. And then it never happens. You don't ever hear from them again. And then it, that's like super discouraging. And then randomly, one of the young men just saw me one day and was like, hey, like, like I, I serve in my church now. Like I like, like I'm a valued member kind of thing. Like, and I was like, oh, so you never know the amount of like impact mm. that you have. And I say that because words, like your words have a lot of impact on people and i think the thing we don't remember is that words hurt yourself Mm. and i have i think i've talked about this before and i'm going to talk about it again because it is really important when i again same intern position uh i would talk badly about myself i still do it it's something that i'm trying really really hard not to do 
And my coworker at the time, one of my best friends, she was like, Logan, you need to stop. And I think part of it was because, A, she, she loved me and she didn't want me to be talking negatively like about myself. Um, but it was starting to affect her. She was like, well, his negative attitude is not rubbing off on me. And then I started to realize, oh, my negative words are rubbing off on her, but it's also rubbing off on me. So I was just in this cycle of like negativity. And it made me realize that like the words we say affect us just as much as they affect the person you're telling them to. Yeah. And I often think of like, um, you know, like families, right? Like families fight, they argue, all that kind of stuff. And um, I know my family, we fought, we, we got in arguments, we yelled, it happens, it's the way it is. And I remember distinctly one time though, my brother and I really got into it. I don't even know what it was about. It was something probably so minuscule, but we just started yelling and screaming at each other. And I remember saying something so horrible to him and I don't even remember what it was. And it like hurt him. And then it hurt me because I was like, wait, why did I say that? Like, cause the, like I could tell that it hurt him and then the words affected me. And I think that's just really important that yeah. we recognize that. Cause it's, it's just one of those things that we kind of know, but we don't know. You, you ever think that there's a, a hand grenade effect of words that at the time they may not mean anything, but then all of a sudden you realize that what you said had impact. You know, and you don't find out until years later. And that's, and again, that's good or bad. I was just, uh, as I was kind of looking at some of the things, I came across a story of a, a person and uh, ended up starting to work with this technician. And uh, and they had built up a good relationship as they were working together. And, and then finally she said, she says, you know what, I want to thank you for firing my husband 10 years ago. And he said... I was all of a sudden shocked that this had come, and I was, I was waiting for these these words of, <laughs> of terror. She yeah. said, she said ten years ago you fired him, and I just want to say thanks for firing him. And he says you may not even know what was happening at the time. You may not even ex- remember the experience. And he said what happened was my my husband had uh, failed a drug test, and so you had to fire him. And she said, you, you came into the office and she said, you, I realize that I have to do this because, because obviously there's repercussions to that. You can't be having the position that you are having and having this drug problem. He says, but you have a choice at this time, whether you're going to continue on or let this experience change your life. And she said, I just want you to know that if you would have just let him go, then he probably would have continued in with his drug abuse. He says, today, he's a good father. He's got a good job. He's changed his life around. But it was at that point where you were able to sit down and say to him, this is the point in your life where it is either going to go continually to the bad or you're going to take this opportunity for it to go to the good. He said, you probably never really thought about it a whole lot. He says, but that changed, changed my husband's life. And I just want to thank you for that. And I find that Mm. there is good and bad. And you had even mentioned it. How all of a sudden, a couple of years later, or a little bit of time later, they said, "Boy, I'm I'm effective now in ministry because of some of the things that maybe you said and you done." I I know that there were times where people I've gotten emails from people who said, "You know, you said this to me, and you probably didn't think it had an effect, but what happened was, I spent the next hour crying in my car and asking God to forgive me for these things or 
or for me to take the change that I did because I was suffering, I was going through this difficult time. And now I've given my heart to Jesus and my husband has as well. And, and that may be the real miracle. And, and so it is funny how God will use, I said, Satan will use words, but even more so God will yeah. use your words. And yeah. sometimes we take the negative. Satan will take these words and he will, he will create lies, but even more powerfully, that if we are walking in the Spirit and we are abiding in in God, doing everything we can to serve Him, how God will take some of the words that we have and will minister to people. I think of Ephesians chapter 4, 29. There's lots of good things that Paul, as he's instructing him. If you take a look at the Bible sometimes, the first, the first half of it, he kind of goes over doctrinal issues that you think might be not be important. Then all of a sudden, in the middle of it, he says, well, therefore... This is what it means. And he goes into Ephesians when he's talking about it and giving advice. Since all these things are true about God, do all these things. In Ephesians 4, verse 29, he basically says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to edifying so that it will build people up. And so that as I read that verse and other things that Paul has said, you know, even in the same passage, it says, be angry, don't sin, because yeah. you're going to give the devil a foothold. You know all those things that he's talking about in in terms of our our heart in in the process of the words that we say that we have an opportunity to edify. You know we have an opportunity to build up or break down. But I think that the power more so and the emphasis maybe should be in the fact that we have such a weapon for good in our at our disposal. You know Jesus says. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so sometimes we think we have a mouth issue, but it's not the mouth issue. It is many times a heart issue. And if I can work on my heart, then then God can do great things through me as I surrender to him. So those are just a couple of things, some some thoughts where, where the hope is, you know what? We, we talk so much negatively, but I think the greater power is in what God uses yes. to to build people up. Absolutely. And we're like, they see the, the amazing thing about what we communicate is that ultimately it's not like, you know, you're telling the story or myself telling a story, you know, of the person who came to Jesus in their car after church or whatever. It's in that moment. It's not that our words did the work. Our words laid the foundation for God to then come in and move and open the person up for redemption right. and, and all of those things. So I just wanted to clarify that. It's yeah. not for anybody listening, it's not your words specifically that are like actually no. like changing the person. It's that it's eliciting an emotional reaction yeah. from the person, thus opening them up yeah. either for harm or, or, or for good. Or it's God using your words, basically. Yeah. It is the Holy Spirit working through you. Um maybe and maybe this this will resonate with you i'll ask you this question have you ever had a situation where you feel oh this is a great opportunity and i'm saying these words and these words are having such a, a good effect and i'm i feel like i'm imparting this this great amount of wisdom right and 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 a, a couple of years go by and you talk to that individual and you say do you remember that conversation that conversation we had and he says no <laughs> I don't remember that at all. But I remember when you said this. I remember when you were you had made this statement and it impacted me incredibly. And I 
could barely remember and didn't even think at that time that God was doing anything. And so sometimes we think, oh, this is a, we become legends in our own mind in terms mm. of, oh, God is saying something profound through me right now. And maybe God isn't. And sometimes through those little small conversations, so in, they're almost like inconsequential conversations where God somehow plants a seed or God somehow encourages a heart. And we need to just realize that, that God is working through our hearts all the time. All the time. Yes, I've had a mo I've had both of those situations okay. where it's like, I mean, I work with students, right? So a lot of the time you do, you pour your heart and soul into something, and then you think it's moving, and then you go and talk to them a month later, and they're like, "What? You you said something?" Yeah. And then you're just like, "Well, oh, the podcast." Honestly, sometimes it's like I'll go back and I'll look at like some of the episodes where I, I know I have poured like so much time into like prepping and editing, and then it's get it's got like half the views is the ones that are like the guest is late or something. And then it's like, and then you're kind of stressed or whatever. And then it's like the least prepared one, sometimes like the most, you know, like popular, not necessarily, it's not about popularity, but it's just the fact that like we could put all of our time and energy into like preparing the proper way. And God's still just going to show up and do what God does yeah. anyway. And yeah. I think that that's like really unique. And that's one of the amazing things that I love about serving God though, is the, him showing up in the unknown all like it always it, it's it's almost like you you'd start to think we could pick up on the pattern but we never can because we never know when that moment is going to be that god is gonna like yeah. gonna show up but he does each and every time in a unique and special way and, it, and it's just and so i need to be continually working on my heart and when i'm and when i'm at a point where god is is working and i'm abiding in him and I'm just truly doing everything I can to serve him. I'm never ever at a point where I'm perfect. But when I get to those points where I'm kind of in close communion with God, I believe that those are the times where God will use those those moments where I don't even realize I'm being used. Mm, and that is good. that is perhaps one of the most important things to understanding about words of life is that Many times, words of life are going out when you don't realize them. God is using you in those in those moments, in those times. And, you know, being in ministry for so long, I have seen so much carnage. You know, it is obvious when Satan is using words of destruction. But when God uses the words, he uses them many times when we don't even realize it. You know, and so so that's an important an important thing. I, I think there's so many areas. This is such a vast area. I, I think of even James when he talks about, you know, he talks about, well, you know, the tongue, it's kind of like this little bridle. It's a little bit that you have in the horse's mouth, and that's what really controls whether it goes one way or the other. And, and you know, and, and he even uses a ship like like a great big ship. It's, it is controlled by the little rudder. By the little rudder, yep. And it's talking about the tongue, although it's a little member. It kind of, it does a lot of damage. The it's the strongest. set on fire from hell, he says. The tongue's the strongest muscle in the body. Yeah, and so and so he he kind of makes an analogy. If, and, and if you're unaware of the passage, it is in James chapter 3, right smack dab in the middle, middle. of the book of James. And he, he pretty well takes half a chapter to talk about this. And he, he says, out of the same mouth proceeds all this worship, right? And you're worshiping God. And then he says, at the same time, you're using that same mouth to curse people who are made in the image of God. And yeah. that is a key part. And that's 
what gets me so like that right there that juxtaposition that catch 22 that is what i'm just gonna be honest angers me a lot of the time about the church it's just i talked about this a little bit last week but it's like people use the word accountability oh i'm keeping you accountable no you're just knocking the person down and it's like that's what like annoys me so oh, much how about we it. you're talking about how sometimes we we hide behind religious uh <laughs> religious uh, talk yeah we, to to uh, to hide our criticism and and words of death is what yeah, you're saying yes exactly that's okay. and i th- that's that's what james is partially talking about is like he's like if you are he's like if you have that negative thing in your heart and you are going to then try to talk that to another child of god that that's wrong you can't do that yeah he, right james as he's talking about is saying does that make sense to you? Is what he's saying. Here you are worshiping God, and then there, there, there is God's creation, which is created in the image of God, and you were blessing God and at the same time cursing men. Yeah, that makes no sense. Exactly. Can a, then he goes on. Can, he says, "Can a fig tree bear olive berries? Can you kind of get the same from the same resource, fresh water and bitter water? You can't do it." He says, "It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense." And so. So when you are talking to people, you need to keep that in yes, mind. Yes, exactly. And this might be, I don't know, I'm just going to say it. This might not be exactly relevant, but I think it's really important. I think because the message will come across. Uh, in When I was a teenager, obviously, like pornography is like a big thing. Obviously, it still is. It's one of the most rampant sins in the world. And one of the things that a youth leader said to me one time that actually like really sticks with me to this day and i think it's still relevant and it was along the same lines of what james says he says logan he's like you know the next time you're watching or doing whatever he's like think he's like that's a child of god that's somebody's daughter that's somebody's sister he's like that's that's a person he's like you know that person has dreams and and you know all of these types of things and and basically, he was like, you have to humanize that person because they are a human. They are a child of God. They are a creation just like you. They are made, you know, in the image of God. And so it's like, are you then going to, you know, do what you do or whatever? And I think that really stuck with me, and that applies to here. Like, it's exactly like James said. You can't worship God and then not worship his creation the same way. Yeah. Which is... Which is crazy to me because i think that's where a lot of people that's there that's the disconnect is there is a proper right way to then correct somebody absolutely if you are a true worshiper of god then you are going to love and care about your neighbors and when you see them making mistakes when you see them stumbling you are going to help them absolutely and that's not knocking them down that's not you know james being like you can't do that there is a proper healthy way to go and and build that person up and help them and and all of these things and, and we need to start doing that as opposed to just building and just knocking them down yeah and as you're knocking them down you knock yourself down i, I i'm trying to remember um a quote that had happened and i can't even remember who the individual was and he was talking about how sometimes we'll go over what we're going to say to these individuals who have angered us because of these things. And he says, and he said, what happens is you, you plan these words to say, and it's kind of like a big meal that you come and you, 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 
you salivate over all these words and things that you're going to be saying and you feel like you have you have justified yourself as a big meal and he says and all of a sudden you come to realize that the that the meal that you have eaten has been yourself <laughs> that you have been the one who has actually been the one who has been affected and that that when i read that quote it was like wow that's huge i think it was i think there was another quote from another individual i found one similar it says it says if you plan what you'll eat then you eat what you plan. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, I, I, as we have talked about this, we've come to realize that this is a much deeper and a much more damaging um, area of life. And, and sometimes as a church, some of those most damaging areas, we, we kind of hide or we justify because I think one of the things is, is that everyone is guilty. You know, I don't know if there's one person that I've, I've talked about who hasn't been critical at some point or who hasn't had a time where they felt regret over something that they have said to people or, uh, you know, seeds seeds that have hurt people have kind of come to fruition in, in their life. And I know as a pastor, I, there have been times where I said, ah, you know, I, I could have handled that differently. And, and uh, you know, and a lot, of time, a lot of times as a pastor, people kind of are expecting that level of perfection or, well, you're a pastor and you said that or you you made that criticism or whatever. And boy, yeah, there are those times where you, we have to live it down and that. But the question I wanted to ask, and maybe the yeah. direction, and I'm not too sure if there's another go direction for it. I want Just to go, do it. is one of the things that we ended the, our last podcast on is how do you create a culture of edification how do we create a culture of building up rather than tearing down or what would that look like what would it look like if all of a sudden we said we are going to create in in, in our community our christian community however that looks for you we are going to make an agreement that we are going to be about edifying about building people up rather than tearing people down yeah, what would that kind of community look like Mm. and how do you create a community like that? So first of all, what do you think that community would look like? Well, I think the, truthfully, I think the best way to go about starting that, it's like the Hydra. You got to cut off all the heads at the same time. So honestly, it'll come with a lot of awkward conversations on parts like pastors like yourself and I, where you just need to go and confront the people that are actually the biggest culprits of it. Yeah, or repent, repent yourself, and then confront. Yes, and that's, and that's how. And okay, so okay, so that is true. So how you go about it is is the second question. Yeah, but I can't. I my brain doesn't First work like that. I have is, to go. I imagine have, a world. <laughs> imagine a world where edifying rules. I don't know if we will ever until we get to heaven. Have a condition where there is no criticism, there are no words of death, there are not those times where Satan will take take well, our words. What does it? What will a church look like, or what would a Christian so, community look like where that? I think. Well, first of all, we have to clarify: criticism can be a good thing. Sure, we, we got just healthy criticism because there is a proper way to give somebody a critique that makes them better yeah. and builds them up. So, and, just, we, and we use a couple of examples. Of yes, those, exactly. Those, yeah. Um, Honestly, I think of a football team. This is exactly where my um, mind is going right now. If we're talking about like the church. So 
I think the reason, and it doesn't have to be a football team. It can be any sports team. I think the reason sports teams work so well is because they are actually unified under a single goal. Now, we as Christians understand that our goal is to help people find and follow Jesus, but everybody has an av- a different way about going about it, and so then you create all these different teams that then fight each other and, and all this stuff. Um, but, like, our coaches in football, which would be, I would mm-hmm. equate us to pastors, they, like, just actually got mad at us. <laughs> like, yeah. for... Okay. I'm going along with you here, yeah. Like, if we were talking badly about another person or like, you know, whatever, they just called us out on it and they just do laps. Yeah. Now I'm not saying we need to physically go down and give me 50. Yeah, I don't, I don't think saying. we need to do that, but I think it starts. Okay. It starts. I don't know. I'm answering part two of the question. I know. But in my mind, it, it is, if we, it would be all unified to a common goal. So what you're saying is that an environment that was, that was, Governed by just edification would be one that would be unified. Yes, unified to a common goal. They would be a little bit more unified about, they would forget about the peripheral issues and what angers them about the peripheral issues Yeah, and all the things that are not done right. But with a mindset that says, I'm just going to build up, yeah. there would be unity. Yeah. I, I certainly would agree that that would be one thing. I also think that it would be an environment where the Spirit of God would be more um, welcome, alive, present. The Spirit of God can move in whatever situation, yeah. whatever He can work in whatever way. The Holy Spirit can work in whatever way He does in whatever condition. But I believe that there there are times where the Spirit of God is more free to move because the environment has been laid. Yes, for absolutely. Him to move. Yes, and so I believe that when there is there is a communication where there's edification, that the Spirit of God resides in that. And so that the spirit of God is more open to be able to move in a powerful way because he's pleased mm-hmm. that people are being edified and people are being lifted up. Well, and that goes along with, with unity. If people are actually coming together to, to seek after God in a unified way, yeah. then there's no room for anything else. Yeah. So, of course, the spirit can come in and be unified. The spirit of God will be, I believe, freer to move. Yeah, And I think that it would be an, an environment that would be very much um, desired by someone who doesn't know Jesus. Absolutely. It would be it would be something that would draw people. This is what I have always been looking for. This is this is a, an environment that I would really enjoy being a part of. I think it would draw people. And it would draw people who are Christians, but it would draw people who don't know Jesus because they're looking for that. You know, and, and Jesus in his words says, you will know that we, that they will know, the world will know that you are my disciples, right? And there's a whole bunch of things that we could put in there. Mm-hmm. But what Jesus says, and I think he surprises a lot of people when he says this, if you are actually genuinely loving one another, if you're in an environment where that kind of love is exhibited, that will be the thing that will cause the world to say, okay, there's something different here. Yep. Right? And so, and so if I'm trying to, if I can somehow paint a picture of what that community would look like. And maybe the reason that I'm doing that is because if you're going to have to change a culture, you're going to have to paint a culture that says, this is where it will bring us. That's true. This is the destination where we would be if we just took this particular area and said, as a Christian community, 
We are going to practice love through building up through our words. I think that I think that that would be, and if all of a sudden we can paint that picture and we can sell that and say, wow, if that's the case, then I am in. I'm in on this, right? That would be that would be the picture that I would I, what I would do. It sounds like heaven. So yes, yes. And the reality is, is I just that will never happen. In that will just never happen here on Earth. But but we can get really close, right? But we will never we will never experience that here on Earth. But I'm saying if it we sucks. create a, if we create a culture, they're always going to be you're always going to be imperfect people. We're always having to deal with the the sinful nature, the flesh in yeah. us. But when I kind of make the term create a culture, it is everyone agrees. Everyone agrees to the point where it changes the way you you act. It it dictates yeah. the way that you that you um, do ministry, that you do life together. And so so how do you create a culture like that? I don't know. I think I, I think that it has to be purposeful or premeditated. It has to be a point where I say, "Well, I'm going to actually purposefully find people that I can encourage today." Yeah, that that I mean, I think I'd be good at answering step 2 of the of the conversation because yeah. um I mean, the great thing is is this can start in your workplace. This isn't starting your home. Like yeah. it needs to start internally first. Yeah. Actually, that's what I'm going to say. It needs to start internally first. Yeah. This is pastor. Dan talked about this when we had him on and it has stuck with me ever since he says, if you are not, if you don't have a healthy view of self, he's like, you can't, you can't go out and share the love of Jesus to people. If you don't understand yeah. how loved you are, yeah. then you're not going to be able to convey Jesus love to other people. Sure and we translate that same understanding. If you don't have a healthy, encouraging view of yourself, you're not going to be able to go out and to create and be a part of a culture that has a healthy view and edification yeah. of others. Yeah. I think that, for me, is where it starts. It starts internally. If you cannot edify yourself, if you cannot build yourself up, if you constantly knock yourself down and start to feel bad about yourself and, and all of these things, then you need to start there. You need to allow God to move in your life to remove those things mm -hmm. to build yourself up. Yeah. That's and, where that starts. And to take upon yourself the challenge that this is what this is how I am going to choose to conduct myself. I think we choose. We have a choice every day when we get up as to whether we are going to be breathing words of life or death. And sometimes we go through situations and times where it is difficult, depending on the stress in our life or whatever. But if we can say, I am determined today um, to use my words for life rather than death. And the problem is you have to be you have to predetermine that because the default, I think, is usually words words of death. Well it's so it is easy for my, me yeah. to criticize. It is more difficult to try and find the good in the situation and to change my attitude and my outlook to be able to to use allow God the Holy Spirit to use me to breathe words of life into well, people. It's because we're we're not humble beings. So yeah. it's easier for us to put somebody else down to make ourselves move up a level. Uh that that's why. And what's crazy though is it takes more muscles in your face to be angry than it does to smile. Sure it is. And sure so is. so it, it's so weird how culturally and mentally we understand that like we just it, it's it's easier for us to be mad, but God made it easier for us to smile. Yeah. So it, it, it's there's a cool, 
It's yeah. just unique there. I, I I know that Paul, when he's writing to the Colossian church, and Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer every person. And and as I as I read that, I, I'm almost seeing that Paul is saying, you just need to be purposeful. You need to realize that you can you need to think things through and be purposeful on the way that you do it. And so there has to be a predetermination inside the heart. Yeah. That says, I want to do this. And that just doesn't and it's I guess it starts with me and it starts with you. But there has to be a, a time where you say as as a Christian community, we are going to be about lifting people up. Yes. It is going to be uh the fact that we will choose to go against the flow of our hearts to actually breathe in life to people. And we and I think that that can be done through the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, I think it has to. I I don't we I I just think it has to. Yeah. We can't we can't change people's opinions. We can't change anything without the work of God. So the words we speak, all those things, yes, they have power and influence over somebody, but it's still ultimately the Holy Spirit that shows up and does the work for us. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's Really, I think that's really powerful to think about because I think if all Christians could get on board behind that, their words would become yeah immensely powerful for good. You know, yeah. Like, like as we're having this conversation, and as I've had time to kind of pray over it, my thought is, it's it is a useless process to talk about this without without having a point where we say, well, can we create? <coughs> Can we create to the best of our ability an environment where this becomes a reality, at least to the point where we can, in the flesh, be able to do that? Yeah, we need we need to we need to have some application for people. We yeah. can't just leave them yeah. open ended. So, so I kind of I kind of put the fact that it needs to be uh, pre premeditated. It needs to be purposeful. It needs to be prayerful. Mm. It needs to be us working in communion with the Holy Spirit. And asking God to give us those times and those opportunities where we can use it, even if we don't know that we're being used at the time. Mm. Yeah, that's there huge. It has to be that trust-faith element that says, God, I am going out, and there's going to be times where I think I'm going to be saying great things, and I'm not. You're going to be working at the times that you're going to be at your time. But, Lord, if that's the case, I don't care, as long as people are being built up. Yeah, people are being edified, and and the the last word, I, what was it? Premeditated, purposeful, prayerful. You think I'm preaching a sermon, right? That's a good one. I'm... And protected hmm. to prioritize it, and and even as we were talking before, you had kind of put that home to me, that this is something that that we find so important. This is of utmost importance. This is yeah. the priority for us. That when we see it, we call it out. Well, yeah, that, yeah, it's one of those things where one of the things that has always stood out to me about this topic is that it's honestly more impactful to be the bystander than it is to to be the victim or to be the person, you know, doing the, you know, the bullying or the harassment or whatever, because the bystander has all the power. They have the power to step in and stop it. They also have the power to not do that. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, we turn our back, we pretend that it's not there, 
or we think, oh, it's not my problem right now. I'll deal with it later. Or the biggest one is, oh, somebody else will handle it. That's why when you take like first aid uh, and CPR, they tell you point at somebody and say, you call 911 because everybody thinks everybody has a cell phone. So everybody's going to call 911. So nobody does it. Yeah. That's why they train you to be like, you call 911. And I think you're right. It goes on protect. If we can start teaching and encouraging our people, uh, just ourselves, to not let that stuff slide, to like actually lovingly, you know, talk to a person and be like, hey, what you said there wasn't very nice. Or the words that you're saying there, you might not think they're important, but they are. Words cut deep. And if we can start training ourselves and the people around us to do that and to stop being bystanders, I think will be hugely mm-hmm. important. Like just stop and consider whoever is listening, wherever you are at, you might come to this church. You might not. And it really doesn't matter. I want you to grow whether I never, ever meet you at all. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of the beauty of doing a podcast. You don't know who you are reaching. Um, think of what it would be if I could somehow do one thing during this podcast is to get you to dream and maybe visualize a life that is free from words of death. And again, I realize that we live in an imperfect world and we are imperfect people. But if all of a sudden we said, I am going, I am determined to be able to breathe life into every single person that I can. And if that caught on amongst a Christian community, what would that look like? Hmm, what I, would be the ramifications of us seriously considering all of that taking place? Yeah. That, it's, it's amazing to think about. Well, and it's crazy because we all know it. We all understand it. We all have an inkling in our heart that we know we shouldn't be talking badly about somebody or, you know, doing this, that, and the other. But we all think that, like, oh, it's just words. Yeah. It's just words. Like, how many times have, like, you said that? Like, I'm being honest with myself, too. I was thinking about this on my way to work this morning. I was like, how many times have I been like, oh, it's just a joke? You know, it doesn't matter. It's just a joke. It's like, well, no, it's it it matters. I think that I think that is a really it's a dangerous slope to start thinking about that. And the thing is, how many times have you heard and you and I know this the most because we've had people come to us and I don't know what it is with them wanting to talk to a pastor to vent this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't go to church because the church hates me. I said, okay, let's talk about this. Well, this person said this thing. I said, okay, so who else said it? This person. Oh, so you're basing your whole thought of church and Christianity based on what one individual said at one time. And this individual may not have been thinking at the time, may have just said something, may have been in a bad mood. They may not even Mm -hmm. have believed what they said, but at the time, it had come out. Yep. It is funny how people will, will take what one person has said and base it a conclusion on everyone everybody else and or even their own faith and that, and that. It, it it's so and i just i think distinctly why people because uh, i get tons of people bringing that up it's because we didn't grow up in christian families i think so i think yeah. a lot of people we can relate to a little bit more of the yeah the broader audience but 
And then the other thing too is we need to this we can't we just don't have the time to convey this in this episode. So we might have to do a part three. <laughs> but no, no no I think it's really yeah. important because sometimes though what happens is is that person comes to you and then you you ask the question. Yeah. And then the, the the thing that they said is an actual piece of healthy criticism that the person just wasn't ready yes. or willing to accept. Yes. And so part of this is also understanding that there does need to be accountability and there does need to be like sure. a healthy level. And so, so I just wanted to put that out there too of saying like I've had conversations with people where I know the person and they'll come up to me and I'll be like, well, actually, I, I kind of think what that person was saying was – a more of a healthy thing to try to help you grow. Sure. I don't, th- and then they just they walk off mad. And, sure, the, and whatever doesn't matter. Satan's going to take the offense, and that's the yeah. one thing about offense is that most of the time it was never offended, and somehow Satan kind of takes it and twists it, right? Boy, we're always dealing with that, isn't there? Yeah, I have I have one story that I yeah. wanted to read. I know that I've used it as an illustration when I'm preaching, and many times when I'm preaching, everything has to go through the filter of my own heart. But yeah. this one has kind of stayed with me, and it's and it is. A, the wonderful thing about it is, is in, it is in the context not of a church. Okay, it I was, like that. It was a fellow, his name is Tim Sanders, who was the leadership coach and the founder of Chief Solutions at uh, Officer at Yahoo. He urges managers and supervisors to let their subordinates know how much they appreciate them. Sanders advocated leading through loving in his book, uh, is Love is the Killer App. And from the platform of multiple leadership conferences, he tells the story of a young manager named Steve who was challenged by one of Sanders' radio interviews. Steve resolved to visit each of his employees, all six whom he had not seen face-to-face for over six months, even though they had worked in the same building and on the same floor. Steve wanted to tell each of them how much he appreciated them and name one thing that they excelled at. They did excellently. Uh, After the visit from Steve, one of the software engineers, Lenny, presented him with an Xbox gaming console. Steve was taken back as he knew Lenny had taken pay cuts over the last year. Uh, But he was more surprised to learn that the money had come from the sale of a 9mm pistol, a pistol Lenny had bought months earlier with the intention of killing himself. Lenny told him of his mother's death the previous year and of his ensuing loneliness and depression. And he says, I started a routine every night after work, eating a bowl of ramen, listening to Nirvana, and then getting the gun out. It took almost a month to get the courage to put the bullets in the gun. It took another couple of months to get used to the feeling of the barrel of the gun on the top of my teeth. For the last few weeks, I was putting ever so much pressure on the trigger and I was getting so close. Steve, so close. Last week, you freaked me out. You came into my cubicle and you put your arm around me and told me that you appreciated me because I turn in all the projects early and that it helps you sleep at night. You also said that you have a great sense of humor, that I have a great sense of humor uh, over the email and that you are glad that I came into your life that night. I went home, I ate the Raymond and listened to Nirvana, and when I got the gun out, it scared me, silly for the first time. All I could think about was what you said and that you were glad I came into your life. The next day, I went back to the pawn shop, sold the gun. I remembered that you said you wanted the Xbox more than anything, but with a new baby at home, you couldn't afford it. So for my life, you get this game. Thanks, boss. Sometimes. People just need people, Sanders writes. 
they need encouragement. You have no idea how lonely and sad people might be. Love them everywhere, not just at the home, but at the work and whenever you find them. And as I read that story, it always chokes me up. It, it, it filters through my heart the fact that there are people who are lonely and are hurting and are vulnerable, and we have a choice as to whether we breathe words of life and words to death, because we don't know where people are at. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me particularly, because I know myself that there have been times where I haven't haven't really hit the ball out of the park in terms of the things that I say. Me too. That God will somehow create in us through the Holy Spirit a time where we will make this podcast go beyond words that are spoken over the internet and that it might create an environment where a number of us will say, no, I'm just determined. I'm determined to use my words for life and not death. And my prayer is that for you as well as for me. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I can say anything else. No, I think we ended here. That was, I've heard, I've heard that story before, just different characters and stuff like that. And I mean, the first time I heard it, I'm pretty sure it was at GLS, the Global Leadership Summit in college. Somebody shared that and I started crying. I'm surprised I didn't cry. I'm surprised I didn't tear up this time because I normally do. Um, That's the power of words. That right there goes to show you that the we have the power of life and death in us and why are we choosing death when we can choose life and i don't know what you are going through i don't know what's happening in your life but if i can say one thing you'd be encouraged there's a god who loves you who cares for you and died for you and my prayer is that it will change us and that it will change you and that you will leave this uh, podcast today encouraged in god Want to close in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for um, the gift of life. God, thank you for the words. Um, Father, I just, I pray that um, we sow your Holy Spirit and seeds deep in our hearts and in the hearts of our listeners, Father, that we can use our words and our emotions and all these things to edify those around us, to build each other up, not knock each other down. God, I pray for those who might even be struggling in their life right now with somebody knocking them down. God, I pray that you come and you be with that person. God, that you empower them. Father, that you just remove them from that situation. God, I just, I pray that your Holy Spirit be with us all. God, I pray that you can empower us to have a culture that is only edifying, is only good, is only affirming. Father, and I just, I pray that you can unite us together to seek that. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us, everyone. God bless. God bless, everybody.